Jesus, God, I thank you for that power that breaks chains. Yes. Dear Father, today, I thank you that today is a day of freedom. Yes. I declare that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I thank you for freedom right now. I thank you for liberty right now. I thank you, Jesus, that you purchased it on the cross. Yes, God. Thank you, Dear Father, we just commit this time to you. I thank you for what you want to do. I thank you for how you're moving and how you're going to continue to move. I thank you that today is a day of deliverance. And so I thank you, Lord, that deliverance is happening right now in this place. Dear Father, we give you this time. Yes, God. God, God, help me to be sensitive to your spirit. Help me to move by your yes. Holy Spirit's leading yes, and empowerment. Yes. Lord, give me uh, just discernment, direction. Yes, Lord. Yeah, Lord, just maximize this time for what you yes. want to do. We commit it to you. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it's Amen. great to be here. Thanks, Justin, for having me, having me back here again. I think this is either my third or fourth time in a row being here. Um, so it's always... Yeah, good time to come together. Um, and um, it's, uh, I was just thinking, is it Saturday? Was it Monday? I was just thinking Saturday, because it's right around this time. Uh, it, was, it was now 17 years ago is when I encountered the Lord for the, for the first time in a real way, when I experienced freedom, when I experienced repentance, when I experienced God's grace. So 17 years ago, right around this time, I don't, I don't, I don't know the exact date, uh, day of the uh, month, but it was like right around this time. Uh, I was at a campus, um, I was with the campus ministry um, on a retreat, end of my freshman year in college, and I'd grown up in a Christian family. Some of you know this, some of you don't. So I'm just going to give a brief version of my testimony because it just fits in with what we're going to talk about. But um, I, yeah, I'd grown up in a Christian family. My parents were believers from the time I was about two years old, so I always remembered going to church, hearing the gospel, knowing, knowing the basic facts of the gospel, um, and, and you know, calling myself a believer. But, but it really didn't have an impact on my life till this time. I was 19 years old, and I'd been living a double life without even knowing. I'd been deceived. You know, there's different ways that, that, that we can end up in sin. Sometimes it's deception. What does that mean? Deception is when you believe a lie. You think the lie is true, and so you start living according to that lie instead of the truth. Um, that was me. I just, sometime when I was in high school, I just believed the lie that it's okay um, to, to get drunk, or it's okay to look at pornography, or it's okay to have sexual fantasies and masturbate. I just, I just believe that that's just what everyone does. That's just normal. That's just what you do. And so, and so I just, I'm living by that, never even feeling guilty about it, never realizing that's not what a Christian does, just thinking, well, um, my, my understanding of the gospel is just that, okay, Jesus died for me, so I'm forgiven. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. That's it. No, there was no real relationship. There was no real walk with God. There was no ever uh, deep repentance that had happened in my life. And so I just was living this way, um, and I was deceived. At the end of my freshman year, I went to this campus ministry retreat. Um, it's with, um, I was at Johns Hopkins University there, and I, Thursday nights, I had this Bible study. I'd go every week. I'd go every week. I was faithful. I knew the right answers. Um, I, I could, you know, I could, I could probably lead the Bible study. But, I mean, I would, I, would, I would go from Bible study, and I'd go out and get plastered drunk, and not even think twice about it. Did not even see the fact that I was living a double life. Didn't see it. Um, I was dating a girl at the time. She, she, she wasn't a believer. It was an immoral relationship. And again, didn't even see what I was living in. So I went to this retreat. It's a four or five day retreat. And you know what they did? They dove into the Word. They dove into the Word. They dove into the book of Mark. We read the, the entire uh, first half of the book of Mark over a course of four or five days. But we just didn't read it. We, de we delved into it. We drew out from the text what it was saying. We had discussion over it. Um, and and, and the, the, the leaders there would just kind of facilitate the conversation and draw stuff out. 
And um, during that time, I began to experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit, probably for the first real time. I mean, maybe I had before, but this was real conviction where all of a sudden I began to be unsettled about my life choices, about the way I was living. All of a sudden, I began to ask questions that I never asked before. And for some reason, I mean, I know it was the Lord now, but back then it made no sense. I just, in the evenings before bed, I opened up my New Testament and I started reading through 1 Corinthians. I probably had never read the book in my life, but I started reading through 1 Corinthians and I started reading these passages about, you know, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are against, uh, you know, are sexual sins are sin against their own body, right? Um, flee from sexual immorality. He talks a lot about that topic. And I started asking the question, what is sexual immorality? I just asked that question. And I remember asking a handful of the guys that were there, uh, just asked them that question, what is that? And I started listening to their answers. I started, and I'm just sitting there quietly. I'm, just, I'm getting convicted because I'm hearing their answers. I'm like, whoa, that's not, that wasn't my definition. That wasn't what I, I thought as long as I wasn't having sexual intercourse, I was, I was that's what I thought. As long as I wasn't having, because I wasn't having sexual intercourse. So I thought I must be uh, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't in sexual sin, even though uh, I was sexually active with, with my girlfriend. I was looking at, I had to look at pornography and masturbation, but, but I thought I was okay. And then these people were answering me with their, what, 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 you know, what it means to walk in purity and what their beliefs are. I'm like, whoa, is this, are these guys, is this crazy? Is this like, is this real? And, and the Holy Spirit starting to deal with my heart and starting to convict me. And I'm starting to wrestle back and forth in my mind. There's a spiritual battle going on over, over my, um, really over my soul. And I didn't even realize it, but I was, I was being drawn to a fork in the road. Because my eyes were beginning to be opened to the reality of my sin. See, here's the thing. Deception is when you're living a lie. You, you've believed a lie and you're living according to that lie. And, and, and then there's some people are, are bound in sin. Some people are living in sin because of deception. They've been deceived, so they're living in it. Some people are living in sin because of bondage. They know it's a sin. They, they, they want to get free, but they can't seem to get free. They cannot seem to break free. No matter what's going, no matter what they try, they've tried, they've prayed, they've done this, they've fasted. Uh, that's, that's bondage. But some people are, are in sin because of rebellion. Now, all sin is rebellion, but there's different ways reasons why people are are in sin okay now if you're if you're living a lie and then you get exposed to the truth now you're at a fork in the road now now you can no longer live in that deceit now you're no longer deceived now if you choose to live in the sin now you're in rebellion because now you've been exposed to the light once you once you're exposed to the light once you're exposed to the truth um, then you're responsible to respond to that truth. And there's a biblical principle there. And for me, I was brought into the light. My eyes began to be opened, and I experienced this conviction. And I wrestled with it for a couple days because I knew what I was going to have to give up. Well, you know, my, my girlfriend, my life, my choices, my, all these things. And wrestling through it, wrestling through it. And God just showed me so strongly through the parable of the four soils, my heart condition. And I was like trying to figure out, well, what, how, what, what can I do? What's the, what's the closest to sin I can get to without being sinful? What's this? And I was wrestling through all these, and all of a sudden I realized, you know what? The problem is my heart. I, just, I had a revelation of the impurity of my heart. And I prayed, probably the first real prayer I ever prayed was, God, purify my heart. I can't do it on my own. I remember just praying that simple prayer to God. God, purify my heart. I can't do it on my own. And then later, it was either that evening or the next night, I can't remember the time frame, I pulled aside one of the leaders, the guy, his name was Tim, he was leading the our, our study, and I said, Tim, I need to talk to you about something. 
And and I um, I I pulled him aside and I just began to confess my I, I just began to be weep. I just began to weep. I just began to weep. There was there was genuine sorrow, genuine repentance. I saw the sin for what it was. I I had justified it, I had rationalized it, I had minimized it, I had normalized it. All those things I had done, now I saw it for what it was. And I was, I was genuinely broken. I, was, I began just to weep and just confess the sin and tell him what I was doing and all this stuff. And I, I don't remember what all I prayed, what all I said, but I just remember crying my eyes out, turning to God. I experienced such a deep repentance, but I also experienced such an encounter with God's love. As I was turning towards him, I felt his love just enveloping me, filling my heart. And then the third thing I experienced was freedom, deliverance. I was set free from the power of sin in that encounter, in that time. Now I'm going to talk a little bit later in this message about the actual deliverance from unclean spirits. Uh, in that time, I have no doubt I was set free from unclean spirits. Things left my mind, left my thoughts. Um, I didn't know anything about deliverance at the time, but I, there was bondages that were broken and that was 17 years ago. And I have not looked at pornography one time in, in, 17, in that time. Not, wow. n- never had a problem with masturbation, pornography, never again since that moment. Okay? And, and I'm not saying that, that now I'm a perfect person. I've never had any sin in my life. Or stuff. I'm just saying, I'm just, I, want, I want to let you know that freedom is the norm. Amen. According to the gospel, like, like freedom yeah. is, is actually what's normal. That's actually what's normal, according to the gospel, is, is freedom, okay? And I know everyone has a different journey. Everyone has a unique process. So your journey is not necessarily going to look exactly like mine or Justin's or Luke's or anything. Like, so, so, so don't compare, but, I just, but we have to, we cannot lower the bar, though, yeah, right. right? So freedom is the normal. Freedom is what Jesus paid for. It is what he paid the price for, okay, to set us free from the power of sin, and so, um, so yeah, it was, it was right around this time, about 17 years ago, um, and then God just led me into a ministry of, of deliverance, um, freeing, seeing people free from unclean spirits, and we're going to have a time of ministry for that as, um, as this time wraps up. But the passage that the Lord really drew my attention to was Ma- uh, Matthew chapter 5. If I could... Uh, if I was going to give this message a title, I would call it, Are You Serious About Freedom? That's how I'd, that's how I'd give this title, if I was going to give it a, a title. Are You Serious About Freedom? Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you have heard it was said of those of old, You shall not commit adultery. It's quoting from the Ten Commandments. And then, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Let's pause there for a second. One of the things that Jesus did was get to the heart of the matter, right? He got to the spirit of the law. He didn't just see there's the law and then there's the spirit of the law, meaning what's the heart behind the law? What's the What's the heart of it? What's the spirit of the matter? So he, you know, he said, if you if you hate, it's like it's like murder. It's so uh, if you you know if you if you look with lust, it's like it's 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 adultery in the heart. He's getting to the heart of the matter. See what he's saying is you could never touch a woman and still have an adulterous heart. 
You can never, you can never actually physically do an act of sexual sin, but, but your heart, the inside of you, can be filled with impurity, can be filled with greed, can be filled with lust, can be filled with covetousness, right? Jesus got to the heart, and, and the, the, the new covenant is about the heart. It's about transformation from the inside out. I know that's kind of a cliche statement, but that is the gospel, is that we're changed on the inside, and then it works its way to our, to our behavior. What the law couldn't do, not because the law was imperfect, but because we could not fulfill the law, Jesus did for us, Amen. right? And, so, and so, he's, so he's getting to the heart of the matter. He's saying, you know, you've heard the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And he's, he's not denying that, but he's saying, but, 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 but let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's get to the inside. And he says, I say to you, if, if you look at a woman to lust for her, You've already committed adultery in your, in your heart. Then he goes on to say, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. He's using very strong words. Right? It's in the context, he's talking about sexual sin. And what are the two parts of our body that are most used in sexual sin? Our eyes and our hands. Is that not right? Yeah, correct. Right? And so that's what, he, that's what he's... Because he starts by saying, don't commit adultery if you look with lust. Now, when he says... When he says whoever looks at a woman to lust, that word lust, um, I looked it up in the Greek, and it's, it's, to, it's to look with a lustful intent. It's not, the, it's not the glance, it's the gaze. It's not the, it's not the you know, oh, I, I, I saw someone that tempted me. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the gaze, it's the, it's, the, it's the lustful mindset, it's the, it's the coveting, it's the desire, it's the, um, it's, so it's, what's that? Ogling. Ogling, yeah, that's right. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it, right? Now, pornography would certainly qualify for this. Yes. There's no doubt about it, right? right. I mean, that, that, it, it, it fits that exactly. Now, it doesn't have to be pornography. It can be looking at somebody across the, the road and just staring and, and fantasizing or want, and you know, going sexually in your mind. Um, okay, it could be sexually fantasizing, masturbating. All, a lot of these things could fit that, but... But so, um, so he's, he's getting to the heart of the matter, but obviously Jesus is not literally saying for us to chop our hand off. But what is he saying? He is saying, be ruthless about freedom. Be serious about freedom. Be ruthless about getting sin out of your life. Are you, are you, are you, are you serious about freedom? Are you, are you willing to do whatever it takes to get free. Now, now, obviously, we can't get free without God's grace, right? We can't. It's only by His grace that we can be delivered and saved. But there's something about, in this passage where He talks about a, a tenacity or a, um, a, 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 a seriousness, a soberness about that we can't play around with this. Like, He talks about it life and death. He talks about it heaven and hell, guys. Like, that's, that's the context Jesus puts it in. He says it's better to cut off your hand and, 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 and go through life missing a, a limb 
or a member of your body than to go into eternity in hell. That's, that's what he's saying. He's saying this is life or death, guys. This is, this is serious stuff. I was just talking to a guy last week. A guy reached out to me, um, and he, um, he, he he's, lives in the Lancaster area, and the Lord has him on this incredible journey right now. And he's just, um, uh, he's just hungry for more. He's hungry to, to know the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes from a church background where that's not really part of the church experience. And he's had a couple encounters with the Lord that just is drawing him on this hunger. So he just emailed me out of nowhere. And then uh, him and his family visited our church special a couple weeks ago. And then he said, you know, um, we scheduled a lunch. So I, was, I, I, I sat down with him for lunch a couple weeks ago. And he starts sharing his testimony about freedom from sexual sin, from pornography. Oh, wow. Wow. So he's, he's, telling me this, he's telling me this story. This is literally probably less than a week ago. I think it was last Wednesday, last week. Wow. And he's saying, you know, he'd been married for several years, and um, he, he had struggled with, you know, this up and down struggle with pornography, up and down, you know, just never seem to get free. And he got to a point where he said, he said, I got so sick of it. He got to this point right here that Jesus is talking about. He got to that point, and he said, God, if, I, if, if you have to take my job away, if you have to take my job away, then do that. Do whatever it takes to set me free. Do it. If you have to take my he lost his job two days later. Two days later. Wow, dude. Because of pornographic images on his computer. Two days later, after praying that prayer, he loses loses job. And so he starts crying out to God. And something something made him wonder, is there a demonic? Is is there is there this I can't seem to get free. Is there so he starts Googling, you know, about about deliverance and stuff. And he he comes he comes across a YouTube video, and it's Derek Prince, a, a charismatic minister from the seventies, days. He's one of the guys that I learned about deliverance from myself. And he's watching a YouTube video of Derek Prince, and Derek Prince is leading this congregation through deliverance. And at the end of the prayer, he he says, "I prayed it as serious as as sincere as I could." He was sincerely repentant. He was sincere. He was praying through the prayer. And nothing incredibly wild happened, but he felt something come. He felt something leave. He felt something lift off of him. It was two years ago. He got set free. Had not been a problem since that time. That's kind of a summary of my message today. <laughs> Repentance and deliverance. That's when I come and share. Uh, different people have different angles and different, you know. But for me, my, my journey and my, my ministry and my thrust and focus when it comes to this topic is repentance and deliverance. Right? Because they go together. You know, repentance and deliverance go hand in hand. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. John the Baptist's main message was, was, was repentance. Before Jesus came was a ministry of deliverance and healing. Now, Jesus also preached a message of repentance. He picked it right up where John the Baptist left off. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus to come as a deliverer. Repentance came first, then came deliverance. And sometimes we are waiting for God to deliver us, and he's waiting for us to repent. Sometimes we're waiting, God, if you could just zap me, you know, if you could just, if you could just, you know, if you could just do this, if you could just do that, if you could just, you know, I just, you know, but sometimes God's waiting for us to repent because you cannot get free from a sin that you justify. You cannot get free from a sin that you're living in agreement with. And sometimes we get confused because we have to know the difference between godly sorrow that brings repentance and leads to life and worldly sorrow that is condemnation. Now that's, what is that? That's 2 Corinthians, I have it written down here, 7, uh, 
2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10, he talks about the difference. And sometimes we think we've repented, but we only just felt bad because we sinned. Or we only just felt bad because we got caught. Or we just feel shameful because we know we weren't supposed to do that. Or we feel bad because now we have to confess the sin to, you know, my wife or my pastor or my accountability partner. And, and that's actually, we're not actually repentant about it. We actually, deep down inside, we're actually still, we actually still want that sin. We actually still want to do that. We actually don't see it for what it is. See, when I experienced repentance, one of the things that happened to me was I saw for the first time God's design for sex and that God's design for sex was good. And that anything outside of that, God was protecting me from. See, God's not anti-sex. He's anti-sexual immorality. Right? God, does, God created sex, and God created the context for sex, the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And he blesses it in that context. And I began to see that was part of God's plan. That was part of God's design. That was a good thing. That's what I wanted. I wanted that. I wanted to be pure. I wanted... I wanted to wait and, and have a, um, a, spa, a wife that, 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 that we could, I could save myself for. I, I began to see, this is good. God's not punishing you. He, he knows what's best. He's a designer. He knows how we're made. He knows the devastating effects of sin. He knows what sin does to you. He knows that sexual sin perverts us. It, it degrades us. It degrades other people. It, it, it perverts his design of life. And God intended it for a man and a woman in covenant marriage. And that, that's a good thing. See, that was part of my repentance was I actually saw the beauty of that. It wasn't just... And then I saw how the, the evil of the sin, right? So it's not enough for us just to feel bad about ourselves because we failed. And sometimes we, we mistake. Sometimes we think it's repentance but it's actually just condemnation or guilt. And there's a difference, right? It says godly sorrow leads to repentance unto life and salvation, right? Worldly sorrow, which is the condemnation, the kind of woe is me, it's, it's still, it's still self-centered. See, condemnation is still self-centered. It's still, it's still, look how terrible I am, but then it doesn't look to the cross of what he did for us. Okay, um, I'm kind of all over the place here. Um, so, so Jesus, you know, back to this Matthew five, he's saying, you know, are are you are we ready to do whatever it takes to get free? Do we have do we have um, do we see the sin for what it is? Do we recognize the the life or death of this? Do we recognize our our future, our, our destiny, our children, our, all these things. We're fighting not just for here and now. We're fighting for generational blessing. We're fighting for um, eternity. All these things are at stake. Salvation is not just forgiveness. Salvation is freedom from the power of sin. That's what Jesus purchased on the cross. See, my, my paradigm was, again, growing up, just hearing the gospel, I, I believed the facts of the gospel, and for me, it was just, it was just about forgiveness. It was, oh, okay, I'm forgiven. So it doesn't matter what I do, how I live. Like, I didn't understand that actually salvation is freedom from the power of sin. It's a new life. 
in Christ. You're a new creation. You're born again. You're, you're made to be righteous. All those things, you change on the inside. You're set free from the kingdom of darkness. That's all part of that. And, you know, it's not, again, it doesn't necessarily all happen at once. There's a journey of sanctification. There's growth. There's, there's things. But, um, but Jesus paid the price for those things. Now, I've been thinking about getting to the heart. You know, Jesus got to the heart of the issue. And I, I want to talk for a few minutes about how this relates to pornography. I know not everyone, maybe the problem is pornography. Different people have different things and stuff they're fighting with and all that. Different places. Everyone's in a different place. But I, I just I, I, I typed out some stuff that relates to, um, to pornography. The, ch- we, the church, we have to deal with sexual sin. We, 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 just, we have to deal with it in the church. It is not, it is not we, we have not talked about it. We've not talked about pornography. We've not talked about sexual immorality in an open way. In a, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. The, God, the writers of the, of, the, of the New Testament, they talked about it on a regular basis about sexual immorality and about keeping that out. You know, Paul was actually shocked when there was sexual immorality in the church. It actually shocked him. 1 Corinthians 5, it says, it is actually reported that there's sexual immorality. He's like, he's like I can hardly believe this report. Like, like he was like shocked that, 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 that this would happen. It's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you. And then, he's, and then, he, and then he goes on to say, and it's, and it's a type of sexual immorality that's not even known among the Gentiles. Like this is, and it was a gross type. It was a, it was a, a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law going on in, in, the, in the Corinthian church. And he said, you know, remove that person from, from among you. You know, don't, don't, don't let that stay. But, but we haven't dealt with sexual sin that way. We haven't, we haven't, we've, we've downplayed it. We've downplayed it. And I, I think pornography, yeah. uh, it, we, it has to be addressed um, in the church. Now, my heart is not to condemn. My heart is not to shame. But we have to remove the lies, the deception, the rationalization yep. that so often surrounds the topic of pornography. Okay? It's become so normalized. It's become so expected. It's become so rationalized, justified. Okay? It's time to put it in view clearly and to, to see it for what it is and to get to the heart of the matter. Okay? We've got to get to the heart. Oftentimes, a pornography um, problem is referred to as a, addiction, a sex addiction. Okay? I think we need to be more honest. A pornography problem is not a, an addiction to sex. It's an addiction to sin. Amen. And I think, I, I think we, need to, we need to get real honest and real clear about what it actually... What, what, what's the, what, 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 what does it mean internally? What's the heart of it? Here's what I believe a, a porn addiction is really about, what it really means. Um, I just typed out some of these points here. You're not addicted to sex, you're addicted to sin. Okay? When you're when you're when you're when you're pulled into that, when you're indulging in in pornography, you're addicted to selfishness. Yeah. It's yeah. an addiction to selfishness. Yeah. Okay? It's an, it's it's an addiction to perversion. Cuz it's a perverse version, that's what perversion is, a perverse version of God's intention for sex. 
It takes, God desi- it takes God's design for sex, which is good and holy and blessed and meant for us to enjoy in marriage, and it perverts it. It changes it. It twists it. It makes it into something that was never meant to be. So it's an addicted to perversion. It's an addiction to adultery. What did Jesus say? Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What if we started, what if we stopped just calling it a pornography problem? What if we called it adultery? Amen. Amen. What if we started, guys, married men, it's, it's, adul- it's adultery. It's, it's that serious. Like, what if we, what if we stopped downplaying it and we, and, and we, we saw it? This is actually adultery. I'm actually committing yeah. adultery yeah. on my spouse if, if you're married. But if you're not married, it's fornication. It's sex before marriage, outside of marriage. What if we, what if we started calling it that? Hmm. It's an addiction to lust. What is lust? Lust, lust wants to take what it's not supposed to have. Right. That's the nature of lust. It wants to take at somebody else's expense. It's the opposite of love. Love wants to give at your own expense. It's selfless. Love is selfless. It wants to give at your own expense. Lust is the opposite. It's a perversion of love. It wants to take from somebody else at their expense to benefit yourself. That's what pornography is. I'm taking from somebody else. I'm taking from them. I'm looking at them. I'm degrading them for my own pleasure, for my own benefit. It's an addiction to lust. It's an addiction to a fantasy world where you get to have whatever you want, whenever you want it. It's a fantasy world. It's it's a world where you are God. You're in control. You are in charge. You get to have what you want, when you want it, whatever you want. That's behind it. It's an addiction to the illusion of intimacy without the commitment of covenant. That's what pornography is. It gives you the illusion of intimacy without the cost of covenant. Covenant costs us something. Being married in a covenant costs you something. You, you, You have to give of yourself. You have to, you have to, there's two sides to it. There's, there's growth, there's change, there's all these, there's, there's, there's commitment in it. But pornography takes without that cost, takes without the covenant. It's intimacy without the covenant. See, it's, so it's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's an addiction to objectifying and using a woman's body with no thought to caring for her heart or loving her as a person. That's what pornography is. It's, I don't have to care about the person's heart, I'm just using their body. I don't have to love their soul, I can just use their body. I can just objectify them for my own gain without caring for who they are as a person. It's an addiction to entitlement and feeling powerful, feeling in control, while in reality, pornography strips you of your masculinity. It's it's the, guys, I want you to understand, it's the opposite of manhood. It's the opposite of manhood. It's portrayed as this manly thing, right? That's what the world portrays 
you know, strip clubs and pornography. It's what men do. It's what, you know, it's, it's, it's actually the opposite. It strips us of, of manhood. It puts us in a powerless state. It makes us a slave. So why, why am I saying all these things? Because, guys, we have to, we can't sugarcoat it. If we sugarcoat it, yeah. then we justify it. Yeah. If, we, if we don't actually look at it for what it is and see, it's, it's a really ugly thing. It actually is an ugly thing. It actually is, I mean, it's, it is, uh, it's dark. Like, it's demonic. It's, it's very demonic. It's very dark. It's very degrading yeah. to yourself, to women, to people, in general, to, to, to God's covenant, to God's design. It's actually very dark. It's very degrading. So we, we, we have to stop sugarcoating it. We have to stop normalizing it. We have to stop minimizing it. Okay? So for some of us, we, just, we need kind of that wake-up call to, to, to see this thing clearly. And to, and, 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 and to come to that point that Jesus described where, where cut off my hand. Dodge out my eye, like, like this is this is serious. This is serious stuff. Okay. Let me just read this passage from Second Corinthians real quick, and then I want to talk about deliverance, and then we're going to minister. Second Corinthians seven. Eight through ten here. It says, "For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it." Referring to his previous letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. And that's what I'm hoping for. I don't. I'm not trying to make you feel sorry. So that you leave this place feeling all beat up and, and, and condemned. But I, I, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will provoke you to a godly sorrow. You were made sorry that it would lead to repentance. What is repentance? It, it, it is a change of heart and mind that leads to a change of behavior. Yeah. It's an internal change that leads to an external change. That's what repentance is. So often we're trying to change our behavior, but we haven't changed our mind. We haven't changed our heart. We're trying to change our behavior because we know something's wrong. We've been taught that. You know, we, we know in the Bible or your pastor said it or you went to Pure Life or you read a book or you did this or that. So you know, okay, pornography is wrong. Sexual sin is wrong. Uh, this is wrong. So we know it's wrong. So we're trying to change our behavior when you haven't changed your heart yet. See, repentance starts inside. It's, it's a change of mind and heart that leads to a change of behavior. If you're driving down the road and you all of a sudden realize you're going the wrong way, First you change your mind, then you turn the steering wheel. That's repentance. Yeah. It's, oh, wait a second, I'm going the wrong way. I'm not going to get to my destination on this road. This is not the road I want to be on. This is going to lead me in the wrong direction. Where's the next U-turn? You change your mind. Then you turn the steering wheel, and then your car starts to turn. But we're, we're trying to turn the steering wheel when inside we're still holding on. We still love that sin. We still want that sin. We still, see, yes. see God doesn't deliver you from your friends. Justin, remember this quote? Yes, sir. <laughs> he delivers you from your enemies. God doesn't deliver you from your friends. He delivers you from your enemies. 
Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one, the enemy. Deliver us from the enemy. So if something is not an enemy, how can you be delivered from it? If you don't make it an enemy, if, you don't, if you're still living in agreement with it. Yeah. See, deliverance is for the repentant, yeah. not the rebellious. That's why Judas didn't get delivered. Hmm. Judas walked with the greatest deliverance minister, quote, of all time for three <laughs> years. Yeah. He didn't get delivered. Why? Because he was rebellious. Wow. He was living a double life. He was living hypocrisy. He was, he was, he was hiding. He was masking. He was all this stuff. Right? So he, he didn't get delivered because, not because Jesus wasn't a good enough deliverer, deliverer right. of course, right? Right? Because he was living in agreement with it. We've got to break the agreement. We've got to, we got to see it for what it is. So, godly sorrow, uh, uh, sorry, that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer uh, lost from us in nothing for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation the word salvation means deliverance freedom forgive it's all it's 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 you know uh, it's it's everything jesus purchased on the cross salvation from the power of sin forgiveness of our sins all those things not to be regretted but the sorrow of the world produces death Why, why did Judas, why was Judas not able to come to repentance? Ju, or, um, restore, Judas wasn't restored. Peter was. Peter, Peter denied Christ. Peter experienced godly sorrow, led to repentance. He was restored. Judas, he experienced sorrow. It was worldly sorrow. He didn't experience true repentance, and it led to death. So we need to experience that, a godly sorrow, not just a worldly sorrow, not just feeling condemned or guilty, but seeing it for what it is and making it an enemy. Okay? So now one of the things that I've found and that I've shared here before, and um, Justin mentioned, I think that Jonathan, you shared your testimony earlier today or yesterday, because yeah. um, right here in this room where that happened, and um, one of the things that I found is that if, if a person is in bondage, what does that mean? That means they have that repentant heart. They have that heart that genuinely wants to change. They genuinely want to see freedom, but, but they cannot seem to, to, to get there. There's a, there's a, they're, they're, they're in bondage then. They're not, they're not in rebellion. They're actually in bondage. It's a whole, totally different place. And for some people... The key for them getting free is to get delivered from an unclean spirit. Okay? Make no mistake about it. Sexual sin, there's unclean spirits that are involved. Pornography, there's unclean spirits. That It's an open door for unclean spirits. Talking to Luke about his story of deliverance and how God showed him it was evil spirits that were leaving him. Um, and it's just, I've seen it m- many times, right? Now, Again, it's not the magic, you can't, you, there, there's no magic bullet of like, well, if you just pray this one prayer one time, then, you know, yeah. you, know, you, know you hear Justin's story, it's different, you hear my story, it's different, Luke's story, John, like, right, you know, some people, it's a dramatic, you know, repentance encounter, some people, there's a renewing of the mind, a process, some people, you know, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the sin that they used to beset them is, is gone, you know, it's, 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 right, so, but, but I believe that deliverance from unclean spirits is oftentimes the missing link when it comes to people experiencing freedom 
from, from sexual sin or other types of oppression or torment or bondage. And I've seen it over and over and over again in many different types of ways, not just in the area of sexual sin. So deliverance is, is oftentimes the missing link. When we engage in sexual immorality, it can open the door to unclean spirits. And they can begin to enslave us. They can begin to tempt us. They can begin to put stuff, thoughts in our mind. They can begin to, um, all, all those types of things. They can begin to draw us into deeper perversion, deeper levels of perversion. Because sin is never satisfied. It always wants more. So, so that, that's, the, that's the lie of lust, is that once you get what you can't have, then you, you're not satisfied. It's like greed with money. Right? If, if you have a problem with greed, you're never going to be satisfied. You're all, you're, 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 it's, an, it's, an, it's insatiable. That's, that's the nature of sin. That's the nature of lust. And, some, and um, uh, unclean spirits can draw us into deeper places of perversion, darkness, all these things. And so for some people, that's what's actually needed. And once that thing leaves, then the battle's totally different. Yeah. You're no longer... You're no longer fighting an internal compulsion that just feels almost like it's not even in, in your control. Now you, there's, a, there's, the, there's this choice. There's this you know, a, a temptation might come, and you can say no much easier. Right. You, can just, you can deny it much easier. You can, you can, um, it's not like you never get tempted again, but you're in freedom. Freedom means you can choose no. Right. Freedom means you can walk without falling into that thing. Right? So... There's certain things that can open the door for us, for unclean spirits. One of those things, I think for me, I got exposed to pornography when I was, I think in sixth grade. Someone brought, brought, it, to, brought it to school, had one sheet of a magazine, um, and I ended up with it. I ended up literally with it, taking it home. And I remember just what it, I remember the mixed, emo, just feeling of, you know, just like, it's like, it's pleasure, but it's like shameful. It's guilt. It's yeah. excitement. It's like all this kind of stuff. And I remember I actually eventually flushed the thing down the toilet. Um, but but I got exposed to this, and I actually believe that opened a door for un, for an unclean mm-hmm. spirit of fantasy and, and and lust and masturbation and things like that. Uh, sometimes sometimes we get exposed to stuff, and it can actually open that door. Okay. Some sometimes it's it's. Just sinful choices we make when you know, we're tempted and we choose to go into sin. We choose to have that relationship with that person. We choose to engage in sexual sin. We choose, you know, so sometimes as we, as we walk in those things, it can actually um, be an open door. Sometimes an open door is when people get molested or abused. If you, if you experience being sexually abused or molested or things like that, We've, I've seen over and over again, People that, that have experienced that, and they actually made an open door for evil spirits to oppress them. Or, okay, sometimes it's actually uh, generational strongholds that are, are 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 in a family, in a person's family. Now, I know that can people can, can sometimes misunderstand that topic, um, but I was I was speaking at a uh, conference or event kind of thing a year or two ago. A couple years ago, and I, I, I did a, um, a teaching on deliverance. And it wasn't necessarily related to sexual sin. It was more of a general teaching on deliverance. And there was a guy that went to the, there was a Friday night, and there was an all-day Saturday training on this topic. And the guy went to the Friday night meeting, and, and he started to experience demonic manifestations when he was there. When he went, and he, he didn't know. It was just, he, he got this 
splitting headache. As soon as he got in the door, he, he had this compulsion to try to, to, to run out of the place. And he was starting to, he was feeling stuff stirring. Um, and, and, and so, but, but he just, he kind of fought through it. He knew he had to get there the next day. And the next day, I was on this teaching, and I started talking about generational, uh, some people call it generational curses, generational strongholds, yeah. iniquities that the fathers passed on to the children. That's actually a real thing that can happen. It can make us more prone or drawn to certain things more than other things. And, and I, I did this teaching on it, and when I was praying through this prayer for deliverance, I was praying through it, he said that, he said, as soon as I started leading that time of freedom from generational strongholds, he started having a demonic manifestation. He felt it in his gut, and it started to come up. And it, I can't remember how all he described it, but it was a very tangible manifestation that started to happen, and it got uprooted from him. And for him, that was when he was set free from sexual problems that started when he was like young. like He was five years old. He started to be drawn towards sexual stuff, and he, he wasn't even exposed to He wasn't exposed to pornography. He was just drawn to it because it was such a stronghold in their family. It was just... The enemy had, had uh, gotten in the uh, family line that way. So there's different things that can, that can open the door. Um, but, but no matter what that is, Jesus paid the price for deliverance. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. part of what he died for on the cross. Yes. Okay? Colossians 1, 13, 14, it says, he has, uh, re- he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Yeah. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's a what a what a, what a verse. Forgiveness, deliverance, salvation, redemption, all in those two verses. It's part of what He paid for on the cross. Okay? Is freedom. And normally when I lead a time of deliverance, I use James 4 as a kind of a framework. James 4, verse 7. It says, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Chad, can you come up? We're going to go into a time of... I'm going to go into a ministry flow here. It says, Therefore, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit yourself. To, see, you can't resist the devil unless you're submitted to God. Right? You can only resist the devil to the degree that you're submitted to God. Yeah. It says, first it says, submit yourselves to God. Some, you know, we quote that other part. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist the yeah. devil and he'll flee. Right? Resist. But, but the first it says, submit yourselves to God. Then, it, then now you're positioned in a place to, to resist the devil. The word resist is an active word in the Greek. It means to make an enemy. It means to actively stand against. Okay, it's not a passive word, it's an active word. Yeah. All right? So um, here's, here's, here's what we're going to do. Let's, let's stand up. I'm going to lead us into a time of ministry for deliverance. Yes, yes. <sighs> and so this prayer is based on James 4, 7 there. So it's the first, most of the first part is about Submitting ourselves to God. Okay? So that's repentance. That's, that's um, renouncing things that we need to get rid of. That's, that's, um, that's taking that place that Jesus talked about. Of getting serious and saying, God, what, what, do I, what, what does it take? What do I need to do? 
right? We can't do it in our own strength. We've got to come to that place of yieldedness, grace, repentance. Part of that prayer is going to be confessing, repenting of sin. Part of it's going to be forgiveness, where if there's people that you need to forgive, maybe there's people that have hurt you, that have sinned against you, that have abused you, that have... Um, maybe, they, maybe there's people that, you know, the ones that first exposed you to pornography, the ones that first, you know... Maybe it's not related to sexual sin. Maybe you just have bitterness towards people, right? Maybe you have unforgiveness or anger towards people, and you just need to, you need to forgive, okay? Um, So one thing that struck me last year, I just want to make you aware, so you can just be be open, is um, Jamal, the, who spent seven years at, at Pure Life, who came and spoke last year. Again, most of you wouldn't have been here to, to, to know this, which is why I want to, sh- to share it. But he was speaking at our, speaking one of our sessions, and it just so happened that we switched around and had deliverance stuff in the morning, and then Jamal spoke in the afternoon. Now, uh, I've known Jamal for three years. Have uh, you known J- Jamal that whole time? I mean, like, Jamal is a man of God that loves God, that's been transformed by the power of God, that pursues God, and, and like, loves Jesus with all and everything, and uh, doesn't walk in bondage to sexual sin or anything. And he just came with the heart willing to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I want it. So, in in the deliverance time, we were all, I, I was caught guard. He was caught off guard. And I, I, He's just completely, like, radically, very much set free from a demonic spirit that was just in his openness and willingness. As we were just going through and responding openly, saying, Lord, yes, have your way in my heart, whatever it is. You might say, well, well, dude, I don't really struggle with this or that thing, but, like, what what Jake's about to guide us into is as... as, as, uh, you will get as, as, as much out of it as you allow yourself to be engaged in it, okay? And so whether you feel like, oh, there's this thing that I want to be delivered from, no, let the Lord just illuminate things to you. And if you're the speaker, if you're the worship pastor, you know, like if you're the, who, it doesn't matter who you are, what you think your thing is. Like this is coming before the Lord to do what he does. He is the deliverer. So we're just giving him permission to be the deliverer over things that we're not even aware of. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, I'll answer you. I'll show you great unsearchable things you don't even know yet. Right? That's such a wonderful promise. And so that's, that's what it's like saying, it does, you don't have to be so feeling even oppressed. Like Jamal did just did come like feeling, oh man, I sure hope deliverance works for me today. No, he just said, all right, Lord, you're the deliverer. I just totally yield myself and then Wham! Like it, it just so just be open yeah. to how the Lord and just like even just give the Lord permission over your mind, your body, your attentiveness of your spirit. Yes. God's presence together. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fall in this place in the name of Jesus. 
Father, I declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now in this room. Yes. God, I ask right now, Lord, that yes. the Holy Spirit would fall upon each person. That yes. your anointing that breaks the yoke would begin yes. to fall upon hearts. Yes, Lord. I declare the name of Jesus is above every name. I thank you that chains are breaking today in Jesus' name. I thank you that Satan is defeated because of the cross. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you walk through this place and you touch the hearts of men in this room, God. God, I thank you for godly sorrow, Lord, that brings repentance where repentance is needed. God, I thank you for deliverance where deliverance is needed. I thank you for freedom, God. I declare where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. God, I thank you, Lord, that there's men in this room, Lord, that are get set free from things they thought they walked with the rest of their lives, God. I thank you, Lord, that oppression lifts off by the blood of Jesus. I thank you that fear is lifting off in the name of Jesus. I think of the generational strongholds are going to be broken today by the authority of Jesus' name. God, I thank you that unclean spirits are going to be cast out today in Jesus' name. We're going to leave from men, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Jesus, that you came to set us free. You came to liberate us by the power of the cross. And so, Holy Spirit, would you lead this time? Would you guide us right now? Would you guide us, Lord? I just declare that there's no shame in this room. I declare all shame goes in Jesus' name. Yes. Lord, I just thank you for an openness. I thank you for an open heaven, God. I thank you for your holy angels that are around us, God, that minister. I thank you, Father. Your kingdom come, Lord, right now in this room. Yes. God, I ask you to expose right now every unclean spirit. Begin to expose it by your life. God, I just declare that every unclean spirit is going to be exposed. It's going to be forced out. It's going to be forced even in the manifestation. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Some of you guys are already beginning to feel. If some of you guys have been feeling stuff happening, you've been feeling stuff stirring, you've been feeling stuff moving around, that's just the enemy getting nervous. You're going to be set free. Here's what I want us to do. I'm going to lead us out to pray this prayer. I want you guys to all pray along with me. You're just going to repeat after me. There's going to be a couple times where I pause to give you room to pray your own words, to say your own prayers. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in those times, bring things to light. And then once we get to the completion of it, I'm going to pray over all of us as a whole. Just going to begin to pray and command evil spirits to leave. And then um, we'll lay hands upon people and pray for a while, okay? Let's pray this together. Let's, start, let's just start here together. Let's do it out loud. Let's do it with faith. Let's do it with authority, with boldness. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your grace. And your mercy toward me. And your mercy toward me. I ask for the Holy Spirit. I ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon me. To come upon me and bring deliverance to me. And bring deliverance to me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So we're just gonna do a very basic thing here, just affirming our faith in who Jesus is. We're gonna start with just that very simple declaration. Let's say this. Say, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the only way to the Father. I believe that you are the only way to the Father. I believe that you came in the flesh. I believe that you came in the flesh. That you died on the cross for my sins. That you died on the cross for my sins. And that you rose from the dead. And that you rose from the dead. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you that you came to free me from sin. Thank you that you came to free me from sin. And to redeem me. From the kingdom of darkness. Just begin to say thanks right now. Just begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him for the blood of Jesus. Just begin to thank him. 
Thank you, God. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your work. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your perfect love, God. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for me to be set free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you're here right now. Thank you that you're walking in this room right now, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here among us. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to keep praying here. Let's pray this together. I submit myself to you, God. I submit myself to you, God. And I take an active stand. Against Satan. Against Satan. And every one of his demons. I want my life to be in complete agreement with you, Lord Jesus, with your word, with your truth. I totally renounce and repent of sin. I come into the light. I hold nothing back. I confess my sin to you. And I turn from it. I desire to live a holy life. By the power of your Holy Spirit in me. Specifically, I confess. Now, guys, we're going to take the next couple of minutes just for you to confess sins to the Lord right now. Okay? Chad's going to play music in the background. Just repent before the Lord. Whatever you need to do, whatever sins you need to confess, agree with God about the sin. Call it what it is. talk a whole lot about this. We're going to pray just a prayer of forgiveness, like I said, just to forgive anybody that you need to forgive. This is a huge part of the gospel as well. Jesus talked a lot about forgive, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So it, it, it may or may not even relate to this whole area of sexual sin or not, but, but, but unforgiveness is a major barrier between us and the Lord and receiving his freedom. So if there's, if there's people that have sinned against you, that have hurt you, you have bitterness, anger, resentment against, um, now is the time to release that, okay? 
Forgiveness is the choice that you make, not a feeling you have. You, you don't wait till you feel like forgiving. You choose to forgive. It does not minimize what the person did to you. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean that that sin wasn't hurtful. It doesn't mean that that abuse wasn't painful. It doesn't mean that what you went through, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, diminish that. But it's saying, God, I choose to forgive them because you forgave me. I choose to release them because Jesus paid the price. So let's say this. Lord Jesus, because you have forgiven me, I choose to forgive every person who has ever sinned against me or hurt me in any way. I lay down all anger. I lay down all bitterness. I lay down all resentment. I lay down all unforgiveness. And I choose to forgive. Specifically, I forgive. Now right now, for the next minute or two, just say the names of those people. Just say, just say Lord Jesus, I forgive. And say the name. I forgive my dad. I forgive this person. I forgive this friend. I forgive this girlfriend, this whatever it is, just begin to say it out loud, I forgive and say their name, thank you Lord, this healing that comes right now, prison doors open up right now, in Jesus name, step out of that prison door as you forgive, healing comes to your heart right now, thank you Jesus. seconds here just to continue to let the Holy Spirit show you if there's anyone you need this to release to the Lord. I would release these people to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to do a part now just to break every generational stronghold, every generational <coughs> curse. It's in Galatians 3.13 that Christ became a curse for us. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So uh, let's just pray. They say, say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I thank you that on the cross you became a curse for me. You became a curse to deliver me from every curse. On that basis. I renounce, I renounce the sins of previous generations. Sins of I break away from any generational curse, any generational stronghold that is over my life. Specifically, now if there's patterns that go through your family line, just begin to, you know, patterns of anger, patterns of abuse, patterns of sexual perversion, patterns of hatred, just begin to, begin to release it, just begin to name those things. I renounce that, that, that pattern. I renounce that stronghold. I renounce that curse. Thank you, Jesus.
and say this. Say, I declare, I declare that the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus separates, me separates me from these curses, from these curses and these strongholds. And strongholds. Now, I want us to specifically uh, just repent specifically. I already did a time of confessing sin, but I want to do a time of uh, just re- renouncing sexual sin and breaking any, you know, when you have, if you have sexual contact with another person, you create a bond with that person. That's one of the reasons why, why God created, designed sex to be made for a married husband and wife in the covenant of marriage, because it makes you one. It makes you, uh, and so we're not meant to become one with this person and one with that person. And it actually creates a oneness. It creates a bond. And I want to pray a prayer to break any of those bonds. Uh, some people call that a soul tie. Some people call it an ungodly bond, whatever it is. But it's it's this concept of you've joined with another person. You've given yourself to them. They've given themselves to you. And it creates a oneness. And so I just want to pray a prayer to break off any of those ties, any of those connections, any of those things that have, have been there with other, other people. Um, so let's say this. I repent. I repent. Of any sexual sin. That I've ever committed. I sever any ungodly bond, any soul ties that have been created. I release myself from any unhealthy relationship or ungodly bond to another person. In particular, I break the tie with. Now, if there's people that you're aware of, just, just, just say, God, I break the tie with them. Say their name. Just say it out loud. Okay? You may not be able to remember, just, but say the circumstances. Say whatever God brings to your mind. Just, Lord, I break this tie with this person. I, I cut it off. I sever it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. say this to kind of close that little section. I'm going to say, I declare, I declare that the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus separates me, separates me from every one of these ungodly bonds in Jesus' name. Now we're going to resist the devil here. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to speak to unclean spirits. We're going to tell them to leave. Let's say this. Let's say, I renounce, I renounce every unclean spirit. Every unclean that's associated with sexual sin. That's associated with sexual sin. I renounce. I renounce the spirit of adultery. Spirit of adultery. I renounce. I renounce the spirit of lust. I renounce the spirit of pornography. I renounce the spirit of masturbation. I renounce. Every spirit of perversion. Every spirit of perversion. I renounce. I renounce. Every spirit of homosexuality. Every spirit of homosexuality. I renounce. I renounce. Every spirit of sexual fantasy. Every spirit of sexual fantasy. 
And I declare, and I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And by the authority of Jesus' name, I speak to every unclean spirit that has any influence in my life. I command you to come out. Go in the name of Jesus. Now lift your hands up. I'm going to pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I release the fire of the Holy Spirit to fall on every person in this room. I release the anointing of the Spirit of God that breaks the yoke right now for every man in this room. In Jesus' name, I take authority over every evil spirit. I say, come out in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every unclean spirit that's influencing these men. I say, leave right now. Come out in the name of Jesus. Leave them right now. Go right now. You come out of them in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, spirit of oppression. Come out in the name of Jesus. I say, come out right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke every unclean spirit, every spirit of sexual perversion, every spirit of sexual sin. Come out in the name of Jesus. Spirit of pornography, come out right now. Go, go, go. Out, out, out. Leave them right now. You come out in the name of Jesus. Come out. I rebuke the spirit of lust. I say, come out right now. Leave their eyes. Leave their eyes. Come out in the name of Jesus. Leave their bodies. Leave their hands. Leave the members of their bodies. Come out in Jesus' name. I rebuke every spirit of masturbation. Come out. Leave them. Leave their hands. Leave their minds. Leave their bodies. Every spirit of sexual fantasy goes right now. It comes out and leaves them. Out. Leave their minds. Leave their hearts. Leave their bodies. In the name of Jesus, I break your power. I break your grip. I rebuke any spirit of homosexuality or same-sex attraction. They try to draw people and do those kind of things. Come out in the name of Jesus. Go right now. Leave right now. Leave their minds. Leave their hearts. That's not who they are. It's not their identity. Unbind it. I unbind it from your identity. I unbind it from your identity. I say, come out in the name of Jesus. Go right now. Go, 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 go. Go. In the name of Jesus, I command any unclean spirit that came in through pornography, any evil spirit that came into their hearts or minds or lives through pornography, I say, come out right now. Come out right now. Leave their bodies. Leave their minds. Come out of the people right now. In the name of Jesus, come out in Jesus' name. I command any spirit that came through sexual abuse or, or being molested, I say, come out in the name of Jesus. Leave them now. You have to go. You have to go. You have to go. You have to leave right now. Leave them now. Loose them. Let them go. By the authority of Jesus' name, the chains are breaking. They're breaking. They're breaking. They're breaking. I rebuke the spirit of fornication. Come out in the name of Jesus. It goes right now. Holy Spirit, would you fall? Would you move? Would you minister? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just pause for a minute. Let's just pause for a minute. Let's go real light there, Jeff. Let's go pause for a minute. We're going to pray for more. I'm going to go after some other things that aren't necessarily in the sexual area, too, but I just want to pause. This is waiting in the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many people have felt stuff 
happening while I'm praying. Either felt stuff moving around. Or, so how many people felt stuff leaving? Anyone felt stuff leaving? Like you felt some, something come out? See a few. One over there. I saw one over there. You felt something. What, what, what did you feel? Okay. Okay. Anyone else feel stuff like that? Like something either stirring in their stomach or like moving in their chest or anything? Over there? Okay. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> What's that? Uh, with like the one thing you mentioned, it would be really heavy. Okay. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how you're moving through this.